Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast today. We are continuing with the live stories from the Bourbon Meetup. Today we have two stories, and while this is the shortest episode we have ever released, it is one of the most powerful. These two beautiful lives that have been rescued and set free by the power of the gospel are a testimony to the grace of God that redeems our brokenness. God never wastes suffering because he uses it for our good and for his glory. We want to thank our sponsors, Free Life Soap and Loot Box Creative, along with our patrons for making this episode possible. So let's jump right into part two of Stories from the Bourbon Meetup. Uh, let's get this party started. Covering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a convention of beans or peas to me. I'm podcast. Listen, in these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing, good neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, man, rock Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalists. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical family. We are the fundamentalists. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, We better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? I've, I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old time religion really is because it's whatever era you mm-hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was it. right. Mm. Like it, lump it, pump it, jump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started a movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards. We're back with Mr. Brett Martin. Drove all the way up from Louisiana. You kind of broke it up this time a little bit, stopped in the middle. How long did it take you to get here? Uh, for, well, we went to Branson first, so it was only three hours from Branson. How long did it take you to get to Branson? Um, what, eight hours? About eight hours. Wow, about 11-hour trip, wow. so yes, that's awesome. Well, it's good to see you again, man, and I'm, I've heard bits and pieces of your story. Absolutely love you. I'm not on the TikTok thing 
yet, but uh, people send all of those videos to me and post them on Facebook and on our group. So you are hilarious, and it's awesome to see you using your gifts for the Lord and to meet your family here this week. And uh, man, just excited for what God's doing in your life. Share your story with us. So part of my story is I'm a bus kid. So I was the only member of my family that went to the IFB church. And I remember being bused in um, and going to children's church and having the invitation every Sunday. Every kid would go down. And I went down, not because I wanted to get saved, because I didn't want to be the only one left in my seat. And every, you know, every Sunday we'd go down, make a profession, say the prayer. I never meant it. Um, but then my mom started coming to church with me, and uh, we went to church on a Sunday night, and I genuinely got saved. Um, not, not everything in the IFB was a bad thing, and I got, I got saved out of it, and uh, um, I, I, you know, I got my assurance later on that I genuinely did get saved. But then after that, I just kind of got thrown into this machine, and I got put into a youth group where the more preacher boys you had, the more successful your youth group was. And so at 13 years old, we went to First Baptist Church Hammond, and uh, we went to a youth conference, and uh, I heard Jack Scott get up and preach America, America. And that was the message that I, uh, that I surrendered to preach under. And so he's up there in a burlap sack with uh, this video of uh, aborted babies being torn apart, and then he gets up and says, somebody's got to stand up and say that's not right, and they start the invitation music, and then the, the aisles just flooded, and so that was when I surrendered to preach. We come back that summer with four or five preacher boys surrendered, so it was a, it was a successful trip, and, but my parents were divorced, and like I said, eventually my mom got remarried, and so I was the only one in my family that went to that church and like my whole family's telling me it's a cult get out get out and uh you know i was like they don't know what they're talking about and i, I remember my dad when he found out that they were preaching against going to the movies my dad they're doing what and so my dad drugged me kicking and screaming to the movie theater we went and seen robocop 3 and and afterward, afterward, he said, I, I wish I hadn't took you to see that movie. It was a bad movie, bad movie. But, uh, you know, I just remember that. And uh, so I, I grew up and I, I went to the college and the first semester, everything was great. And my first semester was Jack Howell's last semester. In fact, the day that he died, I became a freshman bus captain, which was rare. But I had done kid children's church when I was a teenager. That's what I did. I was good at it. So they made me a bus captain. And that's kind of where things started to go south. Because, you know, of course, you got, I had a, a bus route. Half was Spanish. I could visit that half. The other half, I don't know how, what it is like now, but this is the way it was when I was there. The other half was African-American. I was only allowed to visit that on a big day. And so one of the things when you're a bus captain is your response, if you have, because they have two Christian schools, they have the Christian school for the church kids, and then they have the Christian school for the multicultural bus kids, because God forbid they go to school together. And so the thing is, is when you have students um, 
on your bus route that go to the bus kids school, the bus captain, the college student bus captain was responsible for getting their bill paid. And so they expected me to work a full-time job and take a full load and then visit all day on Saturday and then go out and fundraise for the kids to uh, pay their school bill. And so what ended up happening is you get uh, criticized and jeered at and looked down and mocked and made fun of if you don't pay the bill. So I would take my tuition and pay their tuition. And so I started losing semesters. And after two and a half years, I only had 14 credits. And it wasn't, I passed all my classes, just I kept losing because of this financial hole that I had dug myself in and I just gave up and I quit and I left and I've got to skip a couple chapters of this. Um, but then I, I went back to a, a Bible college. It was the same one Matt Dudley went to. He said it was like a mini Hiles. That's where I met my wife. We got married, I graduated. And then I went back to my home church uh, to be a, uh, an assistant pastor there part-time. And this is this whole time, I never questioned anything that I was being taught. It was all right, bless God, hey man, KJV only. Uh, I, I just took it all hook, line, and sinker, but it really didn't start to question this thing until I got on staff at my home church and I, I started to see some of just some of the hypocrisy and some of the other preferences that are being taught. Notice stuff that's not in the Bible being taught. And just the way that uh, the pastor at that church just treated me was just uh, lift, just opening my eyes to a lot of different things. And so um, uh, just the, uh, I found out that I, I was being, you know, passed over for positions because I wanted to be full-time ministry. That's what I was called to do, full-time Christian service. But I was being passed over, and all these other guys were coming in and being hired, and I was still waiting in the wings. And come to find out, it was because um, uh, pastor didn't think I was giving enough to the church. And so, uh, you know, I, that, was, that was a factor of it. And I, when I was a kid, I did the children's church. So when I came back, uh, I was doing the children's church again, and he kind of just wanted to keep me there. He didn't want me to leave because I was so good at doing that and it was just such an oppressive environment and this authoritative stance that you had to have like i remember um being leading the choir and i hated leading the choir but i did it because it was i was asked and i i remember i was leading the choir one day and man i just let people talk and i let people make suggestions and man we were just having a good time i was like man, I can do this, this is good. But with the pastor standing in the back judging everything, and he pulled me in the office and said, you had no control. You, weren't, you, you need to go back in there next Sunday, and you need to put your, you need to be the only one speaking. And just took all the joy, took all the, took all the life out of it. And that was, that was my whole experience. And it just got into a depression and I just was breaking down, and I quit reading my Bible, and I quit praying, and we quit tithing. And uh, my wife and our marriage was, was hurting because we were, we were taught you, that she doesn't correct me 
even if I'm wrong. And so we're standing, dated, dated reference coming, we're standing in a blockbuster. And so we're standing in a blockbuster and I speak and I'm obviously wrong and she goes to correct me and stops herself and the clerk notices and tries to, tries to speak up for her and it broke my heart that she didn't feel like she could do that and then that happened again with your mother in the car and standing up for you because you wanted to correct me because I was wrong and you were taught that you weren't supposed to do that and when I figured out what was going on I broke down crying and I was weeping when I got back because I saw that this was this was hurting our relationship and, and our marriage and I just I had to get out and really what the icing on the cake was I went in I was started uh, passing out app, resumes to go to other churches because I was ready to go and uh, I didn't have a man I'm skipping a lot of this but I didn't have a beard until I was 32 I asked my preacher if I could grow a beard he said yes but turned out that was a test to see if I really would so I, 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 I passed out resumes to other churches because I wanted to go I wanted to be full-time and he, he was keeping me at that church and so I came in to tell him that man I thought I'd be happy that a church is gonna gonna listen to me preach and I went in there and I told him man I'm not gonna be here next Sunday I'm gonna go preach at such and such church I sent him my resume and they want me to come preach for him he slammed the door and he got in my face and said you're trying to look for a church like you are looking for a job at McDonald's and nobody's going to take you seriously with that, with that, with that beard on your face. And, and you need to go shave it. And, and this isn't how you find a church. You wait on a phone call and, and God knows where you are. And it, it just rocked me. And so I, I went home. I shaved the beard off. And I, I came heart. back to church. And I left that next service. And I looked at the rearview mirror. And I saw my clean-shaven face. And I was like... I've got to get out of this. I'm being controlled. I'm being manipulated. And so, uh, and after that, the phone rang. And I, and I got a call about the church I'm currently pastoring. And, and, yeah. and, and real quick, how I heard about the podcast is, um, well, my journey out of KJV onlyism was from a guy on YouTube called Mike Winger. If you haven't heard of him, check him out. And he was the, what helped me get out of that. But I was standing in, in, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee on the strip, and I was on the phone with a buddy that, that I was on staff with, and it was none other than Nacho Libre himself, Josh Westmoreland. And he said, hey, there's a podcast that you need to listen to. And so I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's give it a listen. And so I'm looking into it, and I see the Phil Kid episode. <laughs> And man, at Hiles Anderson, Phil Kid was taboo. You know, you know, uh, we were slipping Phil Kid CDs under the table like we were dealing coke. You know, it's you know, uh, uh, be my guest to the depths of hell, and what's everybody screaming about, and all this stuff. And so um, I was like, man, I you know, I I want to hear that. And so that was my first episode that I listened to. I listened to Phil Kid. I listened to Ken Scott. I'm never going to listen to that one. Uh, but, and, but, and then I just fell into it, and what helped me the most, and I can't remember the episode, I've tried to find it, but it was Brian, who, who 
I first heard talk about legalism for sanctification. I had never heard that in my life. Legalism is for salvation only. Once you get saved, you don't have to worry about that anymore. And I didn't realize that even though I was away from the church, I was still trapped and I was still in this prison. And it was the truth of Christ that you gave about the gospel, about the freedom that we had that set me free. And I am just so grateful for the podcast and what it's done for me. And all I want to do is I want to get the word out because if it helped me, then it can help others. And really, it's Christ that does the work. And so I'm just so thankful for what y'all have done. That is awesome. So you're from Louisiana. Mississippi right there on the line. I was in, I was in Louisiana a few weeks ago. And I had to drive right by your house because uh, I actually came out of Louisiana and then went all the way through the whole state of Mississippi, yeah. through Meridian and all you came, that. You came right by my house. And ate at a little diner called Shirelles out in the middle of nowhere. I can't even pronounce the name of the place. It's like Carrera. <laughs> it's, it's and best chicken dumplings I've ever had in Amen. my life. Check it out. Yeah. You like crawfish? Oh, I love it. Do you believe you're not eating them until the eyeballs are looking back? Oh, yeah, definitely. Crushing sucks. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. <laughs> hey, thank you, boss. That's incredible. Good story. We're continuing on with the stories here. This has been an incredible night as we've got to hear uh, stories of the RFP fam. Uh, you guys get to hear us talk all the time, but for Brian and Nathan and myself, just to get to hear stories is special. And uh, we thank all of you who write in every week and those that send messages and uh, direct messages and Twitter tweets at us. And they, we love hearing your story because these are our stories connecting with God's stories to create something incredible. And uh, we're wrapping up the night with an incredible story. This is our friend Bridget, and uh, she drove 21 hours to get here to Bourbon, Missouri. So that deserves a hand in itself. And secondhand, because she slept in a tent. She camped out in this heat. She did that in Statesboro, Georgia also, and that's uh, rough. All right. Bridget, we're glad you're here with us, and we are excited to hear your story. Well, thanks for having me. Um, first, I want to say that I drove 21 hours, yes, but I just came for the free life soap, so just so you know. Shout out. Yes. Um, well, I grew up in the IFB. I'm practically born into it. Um, I grew up in a very well-known church in um, a state that I won't mention, um, and just that was all I knew for, I mean, I went to an IFB school. Um, not at the same church, but a different IFB school. Um, three times a week I was at that church. I did soul winning three times a week. Um, I was the bus captain. I played piano. I did everything. Check, check, check. So um, I had never really heard a clear presentation of the gospel, honestly, because it was always Jesus did this, but now you have to do this, this, and this, or you're not really saved in the first place. Um, and so from a very young age, I just did everything I was supposed to. Everything anybody told me to do, that's what I did, and that's what I had attached my salvation to. Fast forward through, uh, my home life was a wreck, honestly. Um, there was a lot of abuse going on. 
uh, at the hands of my brother, uh, hands of a man that was in the church for several years. Um, and then when I was 17, um, there was another abusive situation that happened and I was just, I was, I was stuck. I was lost. Um, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to get past that. That was just too much. And so I went to a youth pastor of a different church and I told them what had happened and just told them I didn't, I don't know what to do now. And so they were very helpful. They were uh, supportive, but they called my pastor who I had intentionally not told because I believed and held on to every word that he ever said, but I did not trust him with my personal story and my stuff. Uh, and that's a really hard thing to explain. I can't even really understand it myself, honestly. Um, so he called me one morning um, when I was, I was still 17 and just laid into me about how I was lying. And if I wasn't lying, then I wanted what happened and threatened me with public humiliation if I didn't recant on the phone with him right then, said that he was going to pull me up in front of the church and share all of my business, and uh, if I didn't say that it didn't happen. So I was like, okay, well, you win. Fine. It didn't happen. And so I went forward from that, and then he went into telling me I was a pathological liar and had all these mental issues. And as a 17-year-old who had spent my entire life in this place, I was crushed. I was crushed. And uh, so I didn't know where to go and ended up just staying in the church. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know where else to go. So I stayed there for far longer than I should have, but the rose-colored glasses were gone. So I started seeing everything. I mean, I had heard for several years, I had heard stories of other girls going through similar things and him doing similar things. And I just, chalked it up to they were rebellious and they were lying because I just I didn't believe that he had done that and then I found out the hard way that they were right um, so I just started seeing everything and was pulling myself away and I was also kicked out of everything after that phone call I was removed from the bus route I was no longer allowed to sing in choir um, everything that I had attached my salvation to was ripped away and I was just there I was going through the motions and it was a really hard place to be. Um, so I decided I just needed to get out of the state. I just needed to bail and leave. And so I did, and I moved to Florida and sought out community in the only place that I knew to seek out community, and that was another IFB church. And they were far different. <laughs> they were not, you know, camp meeting, crazy, running, screaming. It was different, so I thought that's all it, that's all it needed for it to be a, a good place. Um, the people were nice. It was that love bombing that they talked about in the episode today. Um, and it was the community that I thought I was seeking for. I was desperately seeking for something, community support, love and joy and all of that stuff. And so immediately I jumped into working on the bus and playing the piano and singing in choir and teaching kindergarten Sunday school and attached my salvation again to what I was doing in the church. And then fast forward a little while and I got married, um, which was a terrible idea, but it ended up being a very abusive uh, marriage uh, within the first, I mean, I came back from our honeymoon with a black eye. So immediately upon getting married, the, the abuse started. Within six months, he broke my foot, broke several ribs, broke my wrist, pushed me down the stairs, had a big knot on my forehead, um, all while still serving in an IFB church. So I'm walking into the door, doors of this church covered 
in bruises, and it's just, it's like it didn't happen. Um, so it finally reached a point, my daughter was a year old, and I'd had enough, I just, I could not deal with it anymore. I couldn't let my daughter, under any circumstances, grow up seeing that and thinking that that was okay, and that somebody was allowed to treat her like that. I, I just couldn't let that happen. So I went to the pastor, covered in bruises, covered in bruises, and walked into his office, and he told me that I was not praying hard enough for my husband, and that I needed to go home and work on my submission if I wanted things to change. And um, so that, again, crushed me a little bit. And so I walked out of there, and I kept going to church, because that's what you're supposed to do, and I kept checking these boxes, and then I got a divorce. Uh, my husband actually left me, which was kind of funny. <laughs> and uh, we got divorced, and then when, I, when the divorce was final, I was approached by the church leadership and told that um, I no longer fit the image of what the church stood for. So even though I never stopped serving because I didn't feel like I could, um, I was no longer allowed to serve. They said that I could continue coming to church, but I was not allowed to do anything. So eventually I left there as well and just wiped my hands of it and said, if this is what Christianity is, and if this is what going to church is going to be like, I don't want it. I don't want it. And so I actually became an atheist, which is not something that I have shared publicly very much, but I just decided that, I mean, I'm doing, I was doing everything I was supposed to, so I thought, and still I didn't have this peace that everybody kept talking about. So either God did not exist at all, and it was all fake, or he just didn't love me specifically. And so I just walked away, and I did not step foot in a church for years. And then slowly, just I kept getting this thought that, well, maybe, maybe he's real. Maybe you should just read this Bible passage again. And so I would read, I started in John, actually, and I read it, and I was like, okay, that's, that's a little different than, than what I thought I had learned when I was a kid, and just started reading about the life of Christ and reading those the red letters and what he actually said and what he actually did and he loved people a lot more than I was led to believe that he loved people particularly women and so if I walked into a church which was crazy because I swore I'd never do that again and they were having a revival meeting and um, they were the preacher was preaching on something from John. I don't even know what he was preaching about, but he laid out the gospel in a way that I had never heard it before in my entire life. And so a few weeks went by, and I really pondered that and meditated on it, and um, finally gave my life to Christ and got saved, and whoo, what a change there has been since then. Because um, I'm finally, I'm not, I'm not attaching my salvation to what I'm doing, because I can't, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do to measure up to what he has done for us. So my salvation is no longer attached to the checklist, and it's no longer attached to what church I'm a member of, and it's no longer attached to what some dude in a suit thinks about my fruit. And <laughs> now it's just attached to Jesus Christ's finished and perfect work on the cross. And so that's how I came to where I am now. So, Bridget, I have a question. Sure. And I ask this in all sincerity. What makes you get in a car and drive 21 hours 
to an RFP meetup. And, and what can our family do to be a blessing to you? Because first of all, you proved something profound tonight, and that is that the church has done itself a disservice by silencing the voice of incredible women who can share amazing stories about God's redemptive work. And uh, I'll be honest, I think you just impacted this crowd more in just the last 10 minutes than I have probably in my last 30 sermons combined. And um, what, what can our family, what makes you drive 21 hours? So this church service, if you want to call it that, is the first time that I've ever walked into a church service in the last six, seven years where I was not terrified to walk in the doors because you guys are my people. And I know it's crazy because it just started from a podcast, but like I identified with you guys and I identified with the people and the people that were sharing stories and I was not about to miss this. <laughs> the plan was to buy a plane ticket and to rent a car, but then I didn't work all summer, so driving it was. And I was just, it was worth it. 21 hours, I'd do it again next weekend if I could. So it just, I didn't realize how much community really meant because I've never had it. I mean, I don't have family um, that's, that I'm close to. I have my daughter who, of course, is amazing. Um, but I'm, I'm by myself. I mean, my friends and my family was my husband's. So when he left, he took everybody with him. And so it's been just me by myself for so long. And just being able to say, you know, I grew up in so-and-so's church and everybody's like, oh, snap. And they just get it. Like, that's something that I didn't know I needed until I found it. And so just the connections and the conversation, that's been incredibly healing for me. So thank you to all of you that have let me share and have shared with me. And just, I really needed the community, so that's why I'm here. Thank you for sharing, and that's, if we didn't know this was true from experience, it would almost seem unbelievable that people are doing things like that in the name of Jesus. And I think the reason they do that is because they're not accountable. They feel like they're above reproach and whatever they do is right. They feel like they make the rules and they are so wrong. I heard a preacher, a video of a preacher today saying he's never seen anybody hurt in a church. He has never seen anybody hurt in a church. From my experience, I've seen children molested. I've seen pastor sleeping with multiple people in the church. I've seen abuse of power. I've seen physical abuse. I've seen the scripture being twisted, spiritual abuse. And we hear your story. And I just want to say this, Pastor, what are you talking about? There's not a pastor in this country that can't say, I've seen abuse in a church. And it's time for people like you to hear other people find their voice and through all of that say God is good and he's used all of that in my life and I found family 
And that glorifies God in a way that nothing else can. Our stories exist to bring Him glory. And thank you for what you just did. It takes an incredible amount of courage. And I don't think you're finished sharing your story yet. I think God is going to use you in a powerful way to help a whole lot of people. Well, guys, we have seen God do amazing things this weekend. We've heard some amazing stories. And I honestly don't want it to end. <laughs> JC and I and our families are getting on a plane. At, uh, we're, we're getting in the car at 3 o'clock this morning and driving an hour and going to the airport and flying out at 6. Um, we've all got things going on in ministry. All three of us are pastors. And we just want you to know that what we're doing here is pastoring, is shepherding. And the church is not restricted to the four walls of any building. We're called to go and love and pursue and point people to Jesus. And what we're doing is real. And what we're doing is something, it's a calling that God has placed on our lives. And I'm personally thankful that, that God has placed us in this ministry. And just speaking to the ones here in this room, the ones here this weekend. And if I haven't had a chance personally to speak to each one of you, I hope you'll come say something to me tonight, at least introduce yourself. Um, there's just not enough time in a weekend. But I'm so thankful for what God is doing. And I honestly believe the RFP is just now getting started. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. people are just now starting to hear about what God's doing. And we've, we've seen amazing things, but it's moving forward. And if God could take 12 disciples and turn the world upside down, what can he do with just this group of people? Praise much the less the thousands and thousands and thousands out there that we haven't even met yet. So thank you for being here and um, looking forward to the next time we can all be together. And you're right, Nathan, the RFP is just getting started. And what I love about the RFP fam is that it's not just us three. It's a lot of us. There is a community on Facebook um, that is growing every day. There's some moles and trolls in there. Uh, hey, Bill. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of us that are in there. And the RFP Network is an extension of us. And we are excited to be part of that group. And we'd love for you to continue to check out the RFP Network. And uh, there's a lot of incredible things that are coming in the future uh, with the Recovering Fundamentalist. And a podcast, and we're excited to be on this journey with you as all of our stories are intersecting with God's stories to just continue to tell an incredible story. So as we wrap up tonight, we want to thank our sponsor, Free Life Soap. You can check them out by going to recoveringfundamentalist.org, click on the Free Life Soap tab, use your promo code RFP, and get 20% off of your order. We want to thank Loot Box Creative for being a sponsor of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. And we also want to thank our patrons of Patreon, yeah you know, who realize this is a ministry. And with some of the things we've got planned, we need for the number of, of patrons to grow so that we can plan the camp meetings and all of the amazing things coming up and the resources that we want to be able to offer. Like people have no idea what's in store with the RFP, but God's up to big things and the patrons are helping make that possible. Yes, and we have a lot of the patrons that are here live this weekend. Patrons got to come for free, which is awesome. That's just our little small token of thanks for all that you're doing for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. The best really is yet to come. It's going to be exciting. Buckle up and hold on. Thanks for being here with us live in person. You guys give yourself a hand. Y'all are awesome. Thanks for being here with us. I love doing podcasts in front of live audiences. 
It's great. And so you guys have been awesome tonight. We thank you for joining us and uh, have a great week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Be sweet. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.